with the 20th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast, presented by AAA. Every athlete has a journey. Focus on the game. Let us worry about getting you there. Roadside assistance, auto repair, and auto insurance. Start your journey at AAA.com. Close enough there. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. I'm Chris McPherson, joined by Bo Wolf. Phenomenal job there on the read. Off the top. And by Fran Duffy as well. Hey, guys. Podcast superstar. Wanna go that far? Yes, yes. How you you? Did we have to order you new headphones because your head is getting bigger? <laughs> I think these headphones have a little bit of flexibility to them. So superstar friend Duffy, right. thanks Make for finding time yeah. in your busy schedule. Yeah, thanks for yeah hey, for joining us here. It's gonna be a busy week. Thanks for slumming it with us. So it is the start of a new year. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New League Year. That's right. Free agency is upon us, and with it, a flurry of moves from the Philadelphia Eagles, and we'll start off with. Arguably the biggest one, LaShawn McCoy dealt to the Buffalo Bills for Kiko Alonso. McCoy, the franchise's all-time leading rusher, sent for a very good linebacker who is coming off an injury. Yes. Played for Chip Kelly at Oregon, so there's the Oregon ties, the familiarity there. Correct. But you pair him alongside Michael Kendricks. You have D'Amico Ryan's coming back. You have a very strong inside linebacker group but just for you guys the initial reaction i guess not really initial reaction because it's been reported for some time but now that it's official your thoughts on the move well i'll i will let fran talk more about what kiko alonso brings to the defense and, and what specific kind of player he is but in terms of bringing in a very talented player on a rookie contract and sending away a big contract certainly that makes sense salary cap wise and listen i love shady and he's so fun to watch and, and maybe the, the most fun to watch player since I've been here. Um, but we've all, we, we talk all the time about running backs and how, especially in this system, it should be easier to find productive or production at the running back position. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry to see him go, but the trade, the trade makes sense to me. Um, it's a, it's a loaded running back class. There's guys in free agency. Uh, I think that he is, he is replaceable enough, maybe not the same kind of player, um, and we've also talked about, as as great as Shady is, he is maybe not the ideal fit for this offense. And that's, y- y- you know, you can parse that however you want. That's maybe hand-wringing a little bit. He, he ran for 1,300 yards, yards yeah. last season. Um, but in terms of resource allocation, I think that money can be spent better elsewhere. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's a fair point. If you look at the trade just from that perspective – I think you you could still you can make sense of the deal, not even counting what you get back in Alonzo. So what are the Eagles getting? In Kiko he's Alonso? a very very talented linebacker. Obviously his his rookie year he was nearly the uh, the defensive player of the year. Uh, you know in terms of the rookies, I think Sheldon Richardson was the player who got it over him for the New York Jets. Uh, but Alonzo is a guy I've watched all 16 of his games uh, from his rookie season in Buffalo, and I mean right from from snap to finish if you look at him. Very instinctive player, uh, sees things before they happen, is able to quickly diagnose, you know, whether it's an inside run, outside run, run pass, uh, very little wasted movement from him. Uh, play, his play speed is off the charts, and his, that, that's paired with his instincts, his, his ability to quickly see what's going to happen, uh, and then he's got the athleticism to be able to react and, and get to the perimeter. He gets down, he's got a really good uh, short area burst, so he can get downhill quickly. Uh, very good tackler. Um, in coverage was one of the areas where I was really, really uh, impressed with. He shows really good instincts in coverage, the ability to uh, play as an underneath zone defender, 
uh, read the receiver's routes, have a good feel for reading the quarterback's eyes, uh, and taking routes away. He reads screen, screen passes very well. Uh, just a really, really instinctive player, good tackler. You can check all the boxes with Alonzo in terms of what you see from him on the field. So the Eagles are getting a very, very good player in return. Kiko Seaball, Kiko Gitball. Yeah, and, and it's, I mean, it's even more than that, too. I mean, he's, it's like, because uh, whenever you say, like, you say something like that, oh, it's Kiko Seaball, Kiko Getball, you, you almost take the mental side out of it. I think he's a very cerebral player, too. So uh, very, very impressive player. What's going to be interesting, as D'Amico Ryans is coming back from the Achilles injury, how will the Eagles pair the inside linebackers? This season, Michael Kendrick's coming off an outstanding season in his own right. Was phenomenal down the stretch of 2014. You have Kiko Alonso coming in, of course, coming off the knee injury. So you have to work him back in slowly. But ACL injuries don't seem to be as devastating as they once were. You have Ryan's who has come back from the Achilles. So we actually have talked about this issue on the podcast. This question of with Chip Kelly overseeing things from a personnel standpoint, how would he want to pair those inside linebackers where the conventional way of thinking would be you have a thumper like D'Amico and a coverage guy like Kendricks. Now, which way will they go? Or maybe Bill Davis, the defensive coordinator, will just have a plethora of options at his disposal. Well, and, and also inside linebacker is always one of the positions where you have the most injuries. So that's a position where you, you need to have depth that you can count on. So it's good. It's, it's a good problem to have. So we've now talked about a trade. Let's talk about an internal re-signing. Brandon Graham, back on a four-year deal. He is going to be the starter at that predator linebacker position opposite of Connor Barwin. The general thinking was that he was probably going to get uh, a big contract, not maybe as a 3-4 outside linebacker, but as a 4-3 defensive end, and that's what the New York Giants, who reportedly were the finalists for his services, they were approaching him in that fashion. But the Eagles realizing... You know, they've already lost Trent Cole. They released him this offseason. They need someone to step in there. And why go on the outside and get an unknown commodity when you have someone who has been in your system, has made the transition from the 4-3 defensive end to 3-4 outside linebacker, thrived this past season in a reserve role and also on special teams. He's a guy you know. He's a guy you've developed. Why not reward him and let him go be your starter next season? And my thought with, with Brandon Graham was always – I would love to have him back, but I my guess is that he's going to get overpaid in the market. And this deal is extremely reasonable uh, for both sides. I think sort of the glut of pass rushers probably pushed everybody down a little bit. But having him back for that price is great. You know, obviously, we all love Trent Cole, except in the Wolf's Den. But uh, Brandon Graham is younger. He's he's more of an ascending player than, than Trent is. He was super productive on a, on a per-snap basis last year, uh, not only just in terms of sacks, but pressures forcing fumbles defending the um, run as defend, well. and you know, much better defending the run yeah. and the interesting thing about Brandon Graham to me is you know he's come so far in these two seasons in this defense Chip and, and those guys always talk about uh, bringing in guys where their projection is, is less yep. um, but Brandon Graham was a 4-3 defensive end we thought he was he was maybe the worst the, the player who this defense would fit the worst uh, and all of a sudden he's re-signed to a new contract Maybe that tells you, um, maybe makes you rethink a little bit in terms of the kinds of players who you can bring into this defense. Maybe you don't need a guy who played in a 3-4 defense in college. Maybe if you put in the time uh, a year or two, you'll get a player who can, who can be productive in, in learning this new kind of offense. And obviously, uh, that, that comes down to, to how well they take to coaching, stuff like that. Um, 
But he's an interesting case study for this team moving forward, I think. Yeah, and it's a great point about you're, you're trying to mitigate that risk of bringing in new players uh, that don't know the scheme, that the coaching staff is not familiar with. Bringing a guy like Kiko Alonso, who obviously Chip Kelly is very familiar with. Uh, bringing back Brandon Graham, who the coaches have worked with over the last two years and as the arrow is clearly pointing up with, has improved each and every year. Uh, I'm excited to see Brandon Graham back in a full-time role because he's been very productive in the role that he's been given over the past two years. So Brandon Thanks. Graham is back. So this is the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. So why don't we transition into a little bit of draft talk here. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. Well, since this is the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA, it's time to get into a little Draft Buzz. And on Tuesday, 11 Pro Days were scheduled to take place, including one on the campus of UCLA and Eric Kendricks, brother of Michael Kendricks. We talked about him a lot on the podcast already, not able to run due to a hamstring injury. How do you think it's going to affect his stock moving forward? I don't think it'll affect his stock. You know, we talked about uh, when we were talking about Kiko Alonso, you talk about the play speed. Kendricks is a guy that, uh, regardless of how he would run in his 40, he's a guy who on tape shows a good amount of play speed because he's an instinctive player. So, uh, you know, you wouldn't want a guy to run in the four nines at his pro day, but I don't think anyone thinks he's going to run four nine. I don't think it ultimately is going to hurt him too much. And we will talk a little bit more about him later in mm. terms of where we expect him to go in the draft. That's True. A, a, little, uh, a little teaser. A little teaser for you. Looking forward to seeing uh, Owa Odigizua once again. Yeah, I'm no sure question. you are, friend. Yeah, he's one of my favorite guys, Owamabe. Owamabe, he's got he's is he is he your favorite non Ibrahim Campbell prospect? I would say he's my favorite non Ibrahim Campbell co- pro, uh, prospect, but um, you wouldn't say that? No, I don't think so. But what happened? He's, he's up. He just likes the name. You guys he's up. Drift there. apart? No, I mean, he, look, look. The, the thing you like what happened? You were so close at the Senior Bowl. <laughs> the thing about Odigizua is that he wins in ways that are different from. Uh, a lot of these other pass rushers. So if you're not necessarily looking for one of those smaller uh, guys that are going to win with speed on the edge, Odigizua offers uh, you know the opposite in terms of winning with heavy hands. Uh, you know, and being beating offensive tackles with power. He's one of those guys. So who, who is then your favorite? Who is my favorite prospect? N- non Ibrahim Campbell division. I don't know. I have to think about that. I'll get back to you next week on that one. Oh, you are, you, you are the king of not answering questions. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't want to give love, you a, I don't, you love you love to just not go out on a limb <laughs> I don't want to give you an answer that might not be right I have to think it through but it's but it, it doesn't the answer could change from this week to next week at one not point at one point it was oh wow Digizua. that's a great tease for next week's show there you go see that BT knows we want to see how you how you evolve throughout the draft process evolving is different than just throwing stuff against a wall so I don't want to throw anything against the wall I want to give you the right answer there is no right this answer. Oh, it's your answer. Right week. All right, so we'll go through. We're going to talk about Diggy Zoo actually on a draft buzz. I am in a couple of seconds here, but let's go through some of the pro day results. And uh, Fran in particular, I want to ask you about a couple of guys, some under the radar guys. Ole Miss, Senquez Golden, cornerback. Golson. 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 Yeah, we saw, we saw him at the senior ball. Uh, had a very, very productive season for Ole Miss. Was. Uh, not not really a one year wonder, but uh, had an, a, a huge spike in his interception production this year. Um, had a huge pick at the end of the game when they beat Alabama. Uh, former on Red, the small, former Red Sox draftee. That's true. That's right. Former baseball player, but uh, you know shows those ball skills and you know being able to track the deep ball uh, on the under, a little bit undersized. He's I think he's really five nine, small. five ten. So um, I think he's five eight. Yeah, you might be right. I mean, he he definitely came in shorter than people thought uh, at the Senior Bowl. And that's going to be one of the issues. Is people Are people going to see him as an outside corner, or is he going to be a slot guy only? So as we transition to 
defensive line prospects, Eddie Goldman was noted by Daniel Jeremiah NFL Network as the best run-stopping defensive tackle in this draft class. You've had a chance to scout scout the D lineman. Yeah, Eddie Goldman's a guy, you know, you looked at uh, last year, another defensive tackle that came out of Florida State, Timmy Jernigan. A lot of people kind of sold as a three-technique penetrator, guy that can get after the quarterback. And he wasn't really that kind of player when you watched him. He was more of a run defender. And I kind of see Goldman the same way. A lot of people thought that, oh, he's, you know, this uh, quick twitch, like pass rusher that you can line up over the guard and, and say get after the quarterback. I think Goldman is more, more so a nose tackle on a 4-3, a guy that can uh, hold up against the run. And he put on a ton of weight going up to the combine, too. Uh, we got to see him at the combine. And he was, I think he came in uh, 15 to 20 pounds heavier than he w- what he was listed. And it wasn't bad weight, but uh, I think he's more of a nose tackle. Whether he's the best def- uh, run defender, I think that's debatable. I mean, you, got, you have guys like Danny Shelton that are there. Uh, I think Joey Mbu is a very talented run defender as well. Who's uh, got those definitely, long arms. Yep, he's got those long arms. He plays with a good base. So, um, you know, both those guys I would say are up there. But uh, Goldman, I would say that would be his strength is his ability to hold up at the point of attack. He's, so you, a, he, he's in the mold of another former Florida State defensive tackle, a, a Broderick Bunkley type. That's a good point. There you go. Uh, hmm. They just keep shooting him out. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's that's actually not a bad comparison. I never thought about that, but Thank um, you. I, I think and we'll that's get what to comparisons to Eagles a little bit later in the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that is that's what I think Goldman's best role is. Our last draft buzz item: ESPN Steve Mensch lists his top ten athletes in this year's draft class. So we'll start at number ten, work our way up. Number ten, a player who you might hear about later on in the show. Tease, tease, Eric Rowe. Safety. Row, row, row your boat. Out of Utah. What's impressive well, about him is the size to go along with the athleticism. That's what makes it so impressive. Will <laughs> all 10 of these players have appeared on Bruce Feldman's freak list? No. Eric <laughs> Rowe wasn't, so there you go. Number nine. Fran, let you say it. UCLA, defensive oh, end. Oama Bayo Digizua. Oa, our good friend. That's surprising. He's not your good friend anymore. Good you friend. A lot, of people, a lot of people are down on him and say that he's not a natural pass rusher. So to, to name him one of the 10 best athletes in the draft is... Uh, Interesting. Number eight, wide receiver out of Nebraska, Kenny Bell. There you go. I think he's flying under the radar a little <laughs> I'm bit. Playing this oh, as a, I'm playing this as a game against you. There you go. He, he's flying under the radar a little bit. He's, a, he's an intriguing deep He was threat. supposed to go to the Shrine game, then he, he dropped yep. out. Great he, hair. Great hair, yeah. That's true. He's got great hair. He, you know, he's a guy who's a, a true vertical threat. I think he's got to improve in a couple areas of his game, but uh, shows the ability to win as a blocker on the perimeter. Uh, has got good speed, good athlete. I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised to see that he's on this list. The best hair, by the way, is the Oregon ball boy. I'm thinking back to the national championship game against Ohio State. That's awful hair. It was that's, tremendous that's to watch. I like red lightning from Florida State personally. but Number seven, Clemson. Vic Beasley. Linebacker. Uh, Stefan Steph- Anthony. Stephon. Yes. Stefan Anthony. Well, he tested that way. I don't think people expected him to test like he did at the, at the combine, but afterwards, sure, you could absolutely say that. Okay, 1-1. One, one. Number six, Oregon. Mark Armstead. Jake uh, Fisher. Jake Fisher. Jake Fisher. <laughs> uh, Jake Fisher is a guy, obviously, that tested off the charts at the Combine. A lot of people think that, uh, you know, when you look at the, the different benchmarks that people need to hit, and I think Josh Norris has talked about that in the past, that he was the lone lineman in this class to meet those benchmarks in terms of uh, elite athleticism at the offensive line. Um, Fisher's an impressive guy. Number five, Kentucky. Bud Dupree. I tried to wait this time and not say the <laughs> obvious <laughs> name. Number four, Bo Wolf, Wake Forest. Oh, Kevin Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) 
Kevin Johnson. That's interesting. And it, see, these are guys that you wouldn't think would be on this list. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Kevin Johnson. All right. Number three, the other Clemson defensive player everyone's Vic talking Beasley. about. All right. Vic Beasley, obviously, mm-hmm. at 245 pounds, the way that he tested was uh, very impressive. Okay. Number two, Georgia. Wide receiver. Uh, Chris Clements. Chris Conley. Chris Conley. Uh, ah! <laughs> wrong Georgia. <laughs> Chris Clemens comes back to haunt us oh, once again. He, once again, one of the saltiest players ever in the locker room. <laughs> we, ta- oh, we talked about Chris Conley a couple weeks ago after yes. the combine. Uh, obviously a very explosive deep threat. Not as great laterally, uh, so struggles breaking down a little bit on those shorter and intermediate routes, but uh, definitely a deep threat. Chris Clemens once pantsed C-Mac at the training camp in the middle of the practice. That field. was Darren Howard who pants me. Chris Clemens was just salty I all think the time. It, are you sure? 100%. <laughs> you didn't see it coming. I, I think he would I, know. I it I happen. Would, yeah, it was, it was Darren Howard in the middle of the uh, practice field at Lehigh. <laughs> all right, uh, I'll let you guys guess it for number one. I'm going to say Byron Jones. Fran? Yeah, that's a good guess. Um, I'm going to say Ronald Darby, Florida State. Well, Terrible guess. Bowens. Yeah! yeah! There we go. So there you go. That was like a taste of on the clock before we get to on the clock. So... <laughs> That's going to do it for our draft buzz, and we're now going to transition. It, you have to watch the video portion. That's all we have to say. It's too bless, much. Bless you if you are unable to see this, what's going on. So we are now headed to Mr. Relevant. It's time for Mr. Relevant. It's time for our Mr. Relevant here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. And we bring in Kevin Weidel, college football analyst for ESPN. Now, Kevin, in our Meet the Prospects series on PhiladelphiaGhost.com, we introduce fans to Trey Waynes, the quarterback out of Michigan State. And while it doesn't look like that he'll be there at number 20 for the Eagles, can you talk about him as a prospect and how he might transition to the NFL? You see Waynes, and he's a good football player, guys. And, and I, I actually like Mark Peters a little bit better. I think on Kate Peters is a better football player. I think with Wayne, you're getting a better guy off the field, a guy you can trust more. Um, and I even go look at Kevin Johnson at a Wake Forest. I think he's got better movement skills than Wayne. But you look at Wayne's at six foot, 185 pounds, and obviously clocked in that four three range is going to help him out. The one thing you see on tape, I see a little bit of tightness. I do. I see it at times when he has to turn and open, quickly change directions. There's some tightness, and and the technique that he's coached. You know, down there, the Pat Narduzzi coming out of uh, Michigan State, you know, just in terms of getting your hands on, on players and press technique, uh, being in position, so fundamentally sound and, and technically advanced already in college, you just wonder how high of a ceiling he has. Um, I mean, where, where a guy like Marcus Peters, Kevin Johnson, I think at that coaching, that didn't have that type of, you know, seasoning technique-wise, I think they have a little bit higher of a ceiling. I kind of like Kevin Johnson's movement skills a little better. I think he's got the cleanest in the entire class. You know, it's, it's interesting. I think Wayne's going to be a really good football player. I just think there's a little bit of tightness that, that you know, a little bit of concern. I still think he's worthy of a early second-round grade. Kevin, we were uh, discussing your colleague Steve Mench, his uh, top ten athletes in the 2015 NFL draft class in our previous segment and mentioned Byron Jones. And going through your Twitter timeline, you mentioned that, look, you're not surprised at – how well he worked out, but the tape also matched that athleticism. Can you talk about Byron Jones and where do you think that he projects? Because there have been some mock drafts that linked him to the Eagles, possibly at that number 20 spot. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a guy 6'1", 199 pounds, that jumps to the gym. Um, you see it on tape. He's got a lot of athletic ability. He's an explosive mover. 
for a guy that size, he's pretty fluid, too, guys. You know, he's a guy that's explosively for goes up and plays the football well. Um, and when he catches I expect him to run really well at his combine. I mean, at his pro day, I should say. Kevin, one pass rusher that uh, a lot of people have been talking about as a first-round grade, and I think he's one of the more polarizing prospects in this class, and that's Missouri uh, pass rusher Shane Ray. Obviously, you, talk, you know you talk about the great first step. You talk about uh, the active hands and the variety of ways that he's able to attack offensive linemen. What are your feelings on Ray? Because some people, I think, see him as a top 15 pick. Other people maybe a little bit lower on him as maybe a late first-round grade. How do you see Ray? Well, I, I see Ray as a, as a potential top 15 pick in this class. I do, but I have some concerns. You know, I love the way he plays the game. Um, he's a little bit of a tweener, though. When you look at him, um, just at right around 6'2", 245 pounds, 6'3". And he's a guy that, you know, you wonder where his position is going to be. He's, he's, he's fits a 34 outside linebacker. Does he have that type of athleticism? Not a lot of speed to power when you watch him. A little bit underwhelming in that, in that, day, in that area um, as a pass rusher. Very active hands, quickness, to win with quickness, a great motor instinctive, tough football player. But uh, to me, as pass rushers, you really have to be able to win at the speed of power. And if you go back and, you know, you do a little bit of a study and you go look at the top 30 pass rushers, the sack leaders last this past year, tell me how many of them just win based off of pure speed. You have to have speed to power in this league um, to be able to keep those offensive linemen on their toes, worry about speed, worry if they're going to come at you with the power, the rusher. So to me, that's where I have a little bit of concern with him. Um, I, I kind of like Dante Style a little bit better, Randy Gregory. So, you know, he's the third outside linebacker, I would say, that as rusher I would in my area, in my rankings. And I, I think he's worthy of a 10 to 20 grade in this class. To me, I would have a late first-round grade on him. Hey, Ke hey Kevin, in terms of uh, just generally the rest of the class, who are some players who, who you may be higher on than sort of the, the group think uh, in, in the rest of uh, people looking at the draft? Well, I mean, there's a couple guys. I'll tell you one guy that I've really come around on, and, and it's honestly turned into one of my favorite players in the draft. He was honestly one of my over, most overrated players when he was playing tackle, and that's uh, Sam Irving. So he's a left tackle, playing left tackle. I thought he was a little bit overrated. He bumps into offensive center at the Miami game, and he makes a smooth transition, guys. At 6'5", 6'6", 313 pounds, he's got abnormal size. Uh, for, an, uh, for an offensive center, he's got strong inline power. He's smart. He's agile. And he's a guy I think that can step in right away and really anchor the interior of an offensive line. I think he's got Pro Bowl potential at center. Um, I think he's one of, you know, if you're, a, if you're a team late in the first and, you know, you need some help on the interior offensive line, there's a couple guys on the board you were hoping on the board that are off the board. I think he's a safe pick. You take him, you plug him in, and I think you've got a starting center being with the Potential to fill in at all five positions in a, if you get in an emergency. I think Cam Irving turned into one of my favorite players in this class. I think he's one of the safer prospects in this class. I'd wanted to ask you specifically about Cam Irving because you had mentioned on Twitter that you felt he was one of the safest prospects in this year's draft class. Do you think that he could potentially play guard? And I'm asking because of the fact that the Eagles released Todd Harriman, who has moved on and signed with the Colts, and that's a potential option where the Eagles would have to fill. And I know that might be high for the Eagles to take a guard there, but still, it's a potential position in need, at least at this point, uh, where the roster stands. So do you think that he'd be able to transition to guard as well as he made that move from guard to center at the college ranks? I think he can play all five positions. I do. I think he's one of the more versatile linemen in this class. You know, you're talking about a guy that made a transition from, from tackle to center, and you think about center and the calls you got to make, and it's probably the most complicated position of all, 
and the entire offensive line for him to make that smooth of a transition. Really impressive. It doesn't, you know, and I don't see why he wouldn't be able to play at a guard position. You know, I had a chance to talk with uh, Rick Trickett before the uh, the ACC championship game in here in Charlotte, just asking about Cam Irving and asking about the transition. He said he was really impressed with how effortless and smooth it was for him in terms of not only physically but mentally, and how sharp he was right off the bat. So, you know, Trickett spoke really well of him in terms of ability to learn, uh, retain information, apply it on the field. So. To me, I think he's a guy that, that that's where his value is. You know, he's a guy who can play center, but he also he's got that versatility to help you out at all five positions if need be. So that's why I like Cam Irvin so much, especially at the interior interior offensive line. So, Kevin, as a former college quarterback yourself and a lot of discussion in Philadelphia about the quarterback position, I, I don't want to know so much about the top guys, Winston and Mariota, because they've been discussed uh, very thoroughly. Who are some of the under-the-radar prospects, some of the next-tier guys who have caught your eye in the draft process? Wow. You know, it's really a thin class. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I kind of like Garrett Grayson when you watch him on tape. You know, he's got some presence to him in the pocket. Um, there's some things I like. He gets through progressions. He'll work through progressions. He throws with some anticipation, some timing. You know, he doesn't have the greatest physical skill set um, in terms of, you know, stretching the ball down the field. You know, ball can hang in the air at times. You see it on tape. I'll tell you another guy that I, I was kind of impressed at the NFLPA game. You know, and he's a late-round free agent type player that I won't be surprised he makes a roster. Jamil Showers out of Utah. And, you know, he's a guy that was at the NFLPA game at the Washington. Just has a natural feel for the position. I think he throws the ball well. It comes clean off his hands. Um, you know, we watch him in practice. We watch him during the game. And he's a guy who's had a natural feel in terms of getting some progression, understanding situational football, being smart, throwing the ball away. Has that type of versatility, that athleticism. When the play breaks down, he can use his legs to get outside the pocket, extend plays, um, use his feet to move the chains if need be. I think he's a smart football player. I think there's a lot to work with with him. I think he's a great seventh-round free agent. Bring him in, try to develop him. And you know what, guys? I wouldn't be surprised if one day he turns into an adequate backup goalie. I like that just because you get to hear a different name that's not thrown around a lot a lot. Yeah, no question. And then Kevin, just staying in the backfield uh, with LaShawn McCoy leaving the Eagles, obviously in the trade for Kiko Alonso, uh, the Eagles like to you know impl- or, uh, like to employ a zone running attack. Do you see any of these one cut slasher types being a good fit? You know, you talk about a, a guy from uh, from Boise State, Jay Ajayi. Are there any other guys in that mold that you think would fit? Yeah, C.J. Yeldon's another guy I think is really good in the, in the zone read team. When you look at him, you know, he's a guy that's not going to have a tremendous amount of speed, but one thing, he does have balanced lateral quickness. He's got tremendous vision and patience. He understands his blocks. He understands the flow of the defense and has a natural feel for that vertical cut against the flow of the defense. So, to me, Yeldon's another bigger back, um, you know, a little bit upright running style, but he's got better quickness than I think people anticipate. You know, not going to be able to break those big runs. He's going to grind out some yards, read the right, read his, uh, make his, make the proper reads in that zone read system, and pick up the yards necessary. And I, I think he's another guy that could be a fit with the Eagles. Kevin Weidel, college football analyst for ESPN. Thank you very much for joining us here on the Journey to the Draft podcast, presented by AAA. Now it's time for pick six. All right, folks, it's time for our pick six segment here, and we're going to go a little bit into looking at the current Eagles roster and comparing it to some of the draft prospects in this year's class. So we're going to pick six players, 
and pick six. Them. You see how that works? That's yeah. pick six. Yeah. So six only six guys. Yes. If you go to previous episodes, Fran has had you know a tendency to Fran, ramble on. He, yeah, and he tries to pick thirty or so. You know, we won't let him do it this I time. I try to hold it to twenty. Thank you. We appreciate it. So six, so we'll have eighteen guys total. So players who are similar to players on the current Eagles roster. So I'm going to kick things off here. Kick it off. Let's hear it. And I'm going to go with a player who could be the top defensive player selected in this year's draft class, Leonard Williams from USC. It's a player whom Fran or Bo and I agreed upon, actually, when we were mapping out our six picks. Compare him to... Wade Kelly Ikipi. Not quite. <laughs> Fletcher Cox. Nice. Uh, scheme versatility. Both young, both players who impacted the college teams, Cox of Mississippi State from an early age, uh, could come in and, you know, I think make an instant impact in the NFL. So I went with Leonard Williams and Fletcher Cox. I did, I did uh, like this one a lot. I, I almost took it as well. They're, they're built very similarly. Leonard Williams was, is 6'5", 302. Fletcher Cox coming out was 6'4", 298. So very similar. Uh, Fletcher was a little bit quicker in terms of his testing. Leonard Williams was a little bit more explosive in the in the vertical jump and broad jump, but uh, their numbers are, are pretty similar. Leonard Williams was just a little bit more productive sacks-wise, sure. yeah. but uh, it was a little more projection with Fletcher Cox, but he was also a little bit younger, so I like this one. I think, I think they're similar players. And it's interesting, looking at the two, I actually, when I, now that you guys bring it up, he actually kind of reminds me a little bit more body type-wise to Seth Thornton. Just okay. in like in terms yeah. of the length and like he's a little bit leaner, you know, like yeah. the girth is a little bit different. So that's interesting. All right, I like that. Okay, so number two, I'm gonna go inside linebacker Stefan Anthony of Clemson and D'Amico Ryan's. When you look at size, uh, both downhill players coming from a leadership standpoint could impact from that standpoint as well. Everyone knows how D'Amico is Mufasa, so I went with those two there. Okay. Yeah, also, I, like that. I don't, have, I don't and, have any disagreements. And also, both could end up being second-round picks when all go. said and done. I like so. that. That's good. So next, I'm going to go tight end. Ben Koyak, Notre Dame, with our own Brent Selleck. Okay. Um, Interesting body, same body type, I think. Similar body type. Yeah. Uh, Koyak, noted blocker, not as quite as developed as a pass catcher. We all know how Selleck has, is arguably the best all-around tight end in the game. So that's why I went with the two there. I like that. Uh, next, go defensive backfield. Jalen Collins. Some people have a mock to the Eagles at number 20. Cornerback. Safety, Malcolm Jenkins. You go from a size and length athleticism standpoint. Uh, Collins, not a ton of college experience from a starting perspective. Uh, no one's saying that he's a guy who might transition to safety, but Jenkins was a first-round pick in 2009 as a cornerback. So that's why I went with that there. I think I know exactly how you got there because I, I I looked at the similar thing. You were you went to you went to lines. mock draftable went that's to Malcolm Jenkins and changed it to cornerback. That's exactly <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> well, because I said because you know you yep. go on there and I'm like, well, remember Jenkins was a cornerback when he was drafted. Yep. So it's interesting. All right, uh, running back, Miami's Duke Johnson, Kenyon Barner. Interesting. Uh-huh. Digging so, deep into the well. I you like know, it. Going, you try, you try to you know run the gamut of players on the roster. So similar size, athletic, oh, versatile. He's a rich yeah. man's Kenyon Barner, right? That's right. Yes, I think we would agree on that point. Last one here, Cam Worthy, big framed wide receiver from East Carolina to Riley Cooper. Cam Worthy had a couple big time games, some stat popping games that will just go off the charts. Similar to how Riley Cooper has played at times uh, throughout his career. Uh, someone who can go down, he can catch the deep ball. Big frame can shield smaller receivers. You know, similar playing style. So, 
That's why I went with. I the, will admit that I know absolutely nothing about Cam Worthy. I haven't watched a, uh, a snap of Cam Worthy where I focused on him. So yeah, I'm going to take Justin your word Hardy on that instead. one. Justin Hardy's yeah. a good player. Okay. You want to go? That's not bad. You want me to go? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Let's see. Where should I start? Where should I start? Uh, I'll start at tight end also. Okay. All right. I'm going with the other Eagles tight end, Zach Ertz, and I'm comparing him to Clive Walford. Uh, Clive is 6'4", 251. Ertz was 6'5", 249. Very similar. Uh, Ertz was a little bit quicker testing-wise. Wal- Walford was, was better in the, uh, the the jumping numbers and stuff like that. But uh, similar, they were both about 13, 14 yards per catch. They both win in the same ways. I think Clive's probably a little bit more advanced as a blocker right now than, than Ertz was. Ertz was probably a little bit uh, better of a receiver. I like that. Yeah, okay. that's a that's a fair uh, fair assessment. Okay. Uh, all right. Next, I will go to linebacker, a guy we saw at the at, I guess both the Shrine Game and the Senior Bowl, Amarlo Herrera okay. from Georgia, Casey Matthews. Oh, this okay. has got to be an athletic footprint. Uh, it's actually not so much athletic. They're very similar build. Both six one two forty four, six one two forty five. Um, Casey Matthews was a, a a little bit faster in the forty. He didn't do all the testing drills, so there, there wasn't comparisons. But they're both similar, uh, more more coverage based linebackers than downhill thumpers. Uh, probably expected to be special teams players for the first few years at the next level. I think I think that's the comparison for for Marlo Herrera. Okay. I like that. All right, not bad. All right, this one I think is the best is the most accurate comparison. I think these two players are very similar. You've got a receiver who is five ten two oh nine. Versus 5'11", 206. Both of them, a little bit running back backgrounds. Uh, both very, very good in terms of yards after catch. Physical runners after the catch. Uh, both productive in spread offenses. Uh, both about 15, 16 yards per catch. Very productive. Both had 1,000-yard seasons. Antoine Goodley and Josh Huff. Interesting. I like that. I like that comparison. We both had it, too. Did <laughs> you guys both <laughs> have it? Really? That's one of the ones we originally both had. I like that. Uh, I was trying to think of one for Huff, and I couldn't come up with one off the top of my I head. I think that is maybe the the, the most uh, clear comparison. Overall. Okay. All right. All right. Next up, this is this is a tough one because this Eagles player is is the most athletic player at his position, but this player tested pretty well. He's probably going to play on the inside as well. Jason Kelsey and Ali Marpet, your boy, my friend Ooh. from Hobart. Uh, they're similarly built. Marpet's a little bit heavier, a little bit bigger. Not quite as quick as Kelsey was, but uh, their measurements are very similar. Uh, their three cones are very similar. Kelsey just a little bit quicker, Marpet a little bit stronger. I just had such but a tough time going with your Kelsey yeah. or Jason Peters just because they're, of the they're, yeah, Lane Johnson. They're very unique. Yeah. Uh, Marpet is, is, you know, that, that, it's a tough one, but he, he profiles similarly. I was trying to find an offensive line. That's, that was the struggle I had. Okay. Um, I'm going to disagree with Chris. Because I have Malcolm Jenkins, but I have him with Eric Rowe, who is versatile enough to play mm-hmm. both cornerback and safety. They're both 6'1", 205, 6'1", 204. Um, Malcolm Jenkins has a little bit longer arms. Uh, Eric Rowe was a little bit faster in the 40, but Malcolm Jenkins was a little bit quicker. 10-yard dash was, was ahead of uh, Eric Rowe's. Rowe was a little bit, little bit quicker in the... 20-yard shuttle, Jenkins is a little bit quicker than a three-cone. Three but in terms of players, I think they're pretty similar. Um, and obviously the, the versatility to play both is, is the, the thing there With besides from their exact same body type. It's fascinating that we had the same Eagles yeah. player and came up with a different 
Who Cosplay. who do you think is a better comparison, friend? Well, I've got one for Malcolm Jenkins. Oh, <laughs> so wow. So I'm going to say mine. All three. Okay. All right, my last one. I'm pretty proud of this one. Cody Fajardo, <laughs> GJ Kinney. Oh, there you go. All right. Nice. Interesting. So they're both <laughs> very similarly uh, <laughs> sized. Cody Fajardo is a little bit smaller. They both ran well. Cody Fajardo ran a little bit better than GJ Kinney did in his pro day, but they're both sort of run first run around quarterbacks uh they both were more productive rushers they also you know were productive passers in college 65 percent completion about seven eight yards per attempt but uh that's and i, and I think i think cody fajardo is looking for probably about the same career arc as as gj kinney i thought about trying to find a gj kinney one i didn't go that deep into the well that didn't that didn't occur to me once so <laughs> kudos to you guys would that. you would you agree that that's where fajardo's headed that's pretty interesting well i mean look uh tony when we were down at the shrine game tony pauline said that a lot of teams were hoping to look at him as a wide receiver for whatever that's worth i mean uh, i you know i don't know but um that's an interesting one. I, I didn't go that deep. So I'll, I'll start my six. Well, GJ King played everything for the Eagles. Oh, sure. On the scout team. Right. Yes. Yeah. No question about it. Love GJ. Um, all right. So my first guy, I went with a tight end. I'll, I'll kick it off in the tight end spot, just like you did, Bo. Uh, I went with Zach Ertz as well, but I went with a guy that really, when I watched him as a sophomore, he really reminded me of Ertz just in the way that he moved. And he's a very similar body type. Uh, that's Tyler Croft out of Rutgers, six foot six, two hundred and forty-five pounds. He wore the number eighty-six at Rutgers, so you know there's this, the similarities there. But yeah, just overall, a <laughs> overall, a, a big kid uh, <laughs> has the speed to get down the seam. Still improving as a blocker, uh, but has the athleticism, has the ball skills there to uh, maybe develop into a future starter. So uh, Tyler Croft is Zach Ertz, and a lot of these guys were. I didn't necessarily go off of like the combine numbers. It was more so like when they when I watched them, if they reminded me of a guy when uh, you know in how they moved. Uh, my second guy that I've got, Ifo Ekpre Olamu from Oregon, obviously was a big-time player there for the Ducks, uh, played under Chip Kelly, uh, 5'9", 192 pounds. I kind of see him as a Brandon Boykin-type player. There we go. Coming out of, uh, coming out of Georgia, uh, both guys showed the ability to play inside, play outside, play man coverage, zone coverage, have really good ball skills, very good athletically, show the ability to come down and tackle you. Uh, I kind of see those two guys in similar veins. I think Boykin's a little bit bigger. Uh, but very similar frames. Both were injured during the draft process, too. So uh, that's I, a good point. Exactly. The, I thought about that one. Neither could uh, work out at the combine. So I like that one. Uh, my third guy, Jalen Strong out of Arizona State, kind of reminds me, and this is more so in a, a situational thing. A lot of the questions that people had with Jordan Matthews coming out of Vanderbilt was, is he going to be able to separate? But he's able to go up and he's going to be able to make those contested catches. Jalen Strong has those same issues where – you don't know if he's going to be able to separate. How athletic is he? He ended up running in the four fours. I think he ran four 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 at the combine. Um, but he's—I mean—he's probably the best contested catch guy in this draft class. When you watch him game in and game out, uh, Jalen Strong at six two one ninety seven to Jordan Matthews, I think is pretty similar. Interesting. Um, staying on the offensive side of the ball, Reese Dismukes from Auburn. Saw him at the senior ball. That's why we love Fran, because you know he'll find the gems. Well, 6'2", 296 pounds. This is, this is going to be like my Kenny, I think. <laughs> well, when we, you know, going into the season, Dismukes was kind of thought of as uh, one of the best interior linemen in the draft. Uh, coming from Auburn, it's that run-oriented offense. Uh, you know, has good initial quickness, comes off the ball pretty well. He's got decent feet and, you know, and his ability to move laterally. Kind of plays with an edge. But overall, he's just not a, he's an average athlete, not a great athlete, and doesn't get a ton of movement off the ball. So I think he's more of a late-round pick than the early-round pick some people thought he was uh, a year ago at this time. He reminded me, and this is, again, uh, this is from when I watched him back in the fall, 
uh, it kind of reminded me of Julian Vanderbilt. And that's kind of that's where you're going. Yeah, got that. that's who he kind of reminded me of in Vanderbilt hey, listen, of Iowa. Vanderbilt was a was a fifth round pick. Kelsey was a sixth round pick. So that's right. So you've got that going for you, um, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, so now the Malcolm Jenkins <laughs> comparison. All right. Um, Do we have a drum roll? We don't no need a dr- no, no drum, no drum roll, roll needed. But no? okay. this is a guy that when you know he he plays safety. He didn't play safety. Uh, you know, obviously Malcolm Jenkins didn't play safety in college. He played corner. But Curtis Drummond is the guy from Michigan State. Played safety, six foot, two hundred eight pounds. He didn't test overly well at the at the uh, at the combine, which I think will uh, have some people raising their eyebrows. But really instinctive play, player. I thought he played faster than he timed. Uh, just a decent athlete. Pl- can play man. Can play zone. Did a number of different things for uh, for Michigan State on that defense. Getting better as a tackler, and I think that was one of the knocks on Malcolm Jenkins, both uh, in college and coming from New Orleans. Uh, and he's proven, obviously, to be a very good player for the Eagles in this defense. So uh, Curtis Drummond compared with uh, Eric Rowe and who was the uh, – the co- Jalen Collins. Jalen Collins. So there you go. Maybe you mix the three together. And it's, I'm, taking, uh, I'm taking mine, Well, of obviously. course. Uh, all three of us are going to take uh, a We should get Malcolm. Well, there you go. And see what he thinks. That's a valid point. Um, yeah. All right, so I'm going to close it out. Uh, a guy that we talked about, uh, a, a rich man's Duke John- – or rich, man, rich man's Kenyon Barner being Duke Johnson – I think a poor man's Fletcher Cox is Marcus Hardison from Arizona State. We saw him at the Senior Bowl, 6'3", 307 pounds, really big frame, athletic kid that moves really well. I think he's intriguing because of his movement skills, Uh, but he's got to get stronger. He's got to get tougher. Uh, I think he's a high upside guy that will end up going probably on on day three, sometime in those mid to late rounds. But Hardison's an intriguing guy. Speaking of Marcus Hardison. Yes. right. Time for our first unofficial visit. And Bo, you had a chance to catch up with Marcus at the Senior Bowl. We did. Let's uh, let's hear that interview now. The unofficial visit. All right, we are here with Marcus Harnison, Arizona State defensive lineman. And Marcus, tell us uh, for Eagles fans who may not know, what's the scouting report on you? What do you do well, and, and what do you need to work on? Um, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm a good pass rusher. You know, I can get to the quarterback. But uh, the things I do need to work on just, you know, run fitting, you know, get more firm with my uh, my blocks. So that's definitely a, an improving area. One of the things we hear so much for a defensive lineman is versatility. And I know you did a lot of that at Arizona State, moving all over the line, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. You know, I, can play, I didn't play five tech, seven tech, three tech, zero tech. I didn't play it everywhere on the line. So, I mean, I think that classifies very, you know, versatile player. So is there is there one uh, place where you feel most comfortable? Uh, love the love the five tech, but the three tech is for me. I like the three tech. So you know, I said you. You said that uh, you know you love getting after the quarterback. Mm-hmm. When you dream at night about making a big play, is it is it a sack or is it like a, a stop on fourth down? It is a sack, strip, pick it up, take it to the house. Yeah, I like, I like that. <laughs> and what's your? Do you have a celebration plan? Uh, the celebration comes in the moment. You know, I th- to be honest with you, like I try to plan out my celebrations throughout the week, yeah. but it never works out when it happens. You know, yeah. like it just happens in the moment. You always forget about it at the mm-hmm. time, right? Yeah. Uh, we like to ask guys, best player you played against this season, who would you say? Uh, I have to say uh, Pete from Stanford. Okay, fair enough. And uh, in terms of NFL comparisons, you know, you're going to hear them throughout the draft process. Is, is there anybody in the NFL you think you have a similar game to? Uh, I like, you know, Pete, uh, uh, hold on. <laughs> I was about to say the name. The name just went out of my head. But uh, I have to say uh, Julius Peppers. Okay. Julius Peppers. All right, that's a pretty good one. Well, Marcus, best of luck, and maybe we'll see you in Philadelphia one day. On the clock. All right, fellas, time for uh, for On the Clock once again. 
and we're going back to an old friend, which is it's one that I don't really love, to be honest. I don't, I don't think mm. it gives as good a picture, but we're going back to over-under. Okay. All right. I like the over-under. I had a feeling that's where you're going when you said... I don't, I don't love over-unders. They're, they're, they're just okay. All right. We're going to start with... Well, now uh, that you've given that such a ringing endorsement, that, yeah, yeah. everyone will keep listening now. Yeah. It, it, feel free to chime in uh, <laughs> on, on Twitter and tell us what you prefer for on the clock. I like the would-you-rathers. We've, I like when we mix in a, a new game every now and then. The over-unders are, are... I don't know. Well, we'll see. They're, little, they're, they're too binary, you know? The overrunners are good because you can go back to them later and point to them and say, oh, That's you true. were right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. We're going to start with the man that everybody uh, is always talking about, Marcus Mariota. Okay. Quarterback from Oregon, in, in case you didn't know. Did he win the Heisman Trophy? I believe he did. Okay. Um, played for Chip Kelly. Wow, really? Over under, Marcus Mariota is taking third overall. I'm going to take... What, what, so what's over would be over would be over is he's, he's taken after third overall he's gotcha. fifth overall okay under is he's taken in the first two picks or he could push I decided not to go with any halves, halves. today okay. all right in case, you, in case you want to push um I'm gonna take the under as in he will get drafted higher than three I'll agree when you look at the quarterback class to begin with right and it's pretty much two guys that right. people think they're gonna be the quarterbacks. Mario is is a guy who when he when he interviews obviously the tape doesn't show that he was outstanding in the Oregon system and there's question about how that'll project to the NFL. I think when you combine the if you separate the physical tools of how he performed with the character player that he is, I think it's gonna be too tempting for someone to move up. And everyone's gonna obviously think that we're talking the Eagles here, but it could be there there are plenty of other quarterback need teams. Sure. So I will take the under as well. I think I agree. I think he will. I think he will go second overall. All right, Georgia running back Todd Gurley, over under twenty sixth overall. Ooh. I feel like I'm leaning toward the under in this case because if he goes, meaning he will t- be taken before twenty six. Before twenty six, correct. Okay. If you go squarely on talent, most people will have you believe that he is one of the five, if not ten, best players. Period. In this draft class. And I understand the quote unquote, you know, devaluation of the running back position, but I think to me it's really it's how good a player do we have? People will say, Well, there hasn't been a running back taken in the first round the last couple of drafts. Has there been one worthy of that status? Now, you could say there are a lot of free agent running backs on the market now. Right. That's gonna bleed into the draft where it's a pretty good running back class. But I feel like if it's a team that Needs a franchise guy at ACL injuries. You know, not everyone obviously is going to be the same, but it seems like players are coming back from them more frequently. I feel like that he'll get selected before 26. I mean, if you if you're just looking at the at the draft as it stands right now, who is 26? <clears throat> 26 is Baltimore. Okay. Um, so they theoretically could take him. And 27 uh, is Dallas. 27 is Dallas. But okay. leading up to leading up to 26, you've got Carolina at 25, which okay. in theory could take a running back. Uh, 24 is Arizona, 23 is Detroit. So, I mean, I, I could honestly, I could see all three of those teams drafting a, a, uh, a back in the first round. Um, San Diego is at 17, and that seems to be one of the popular ones. If you're going to see one of those running backs go in the top 20, I think the, the Chargers is the popular choice. Ryan Matthews is a free agent. Uh, they were poorly signing Orlando Franklin. Right. So a guard. Yep. I mean, it, it's, that would be an interesting one. So uh, that being said, I think I'm going to take the over. 
I think I agree. Yeah, I think I'm going to take the over. I, I think Todd Gurley, if you're just ranking guys like how they uh, compare to the rest of the, the players in the draft, I think he's a top 10 player for sure, you know, arguably a top five talent in the draft. But you know, just the running back position in general, I, I would be surprised. And you could convince me otherwise. I would be surprised if he went before that. I, just, I, th- I think, uh, as you touched on, Chris, because, because of the injury and because of how deep this running back class is, I think he'll last a little bit longer. But he is he is that talented. I could certainly see somebody falling in love. All right. Eric Kendricks, over under 46th overall. Will he beat his brother? Uh, that's a good spot, too. That is a good spot for him. Um, I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take the under. I think if you compare him with some of the other linebackers in this group, um, I think he's easily one of the two, you know top two, easily top three uh, linebackers in this class. If you're talking about guys that play off the ball, uh, I think Kendricks falls in the top 45. So that would be you know first half of the second round. Yeah, at yeah. Worst. Exactly. Yep. yeah, yeah. I, I will take the under as well. Me that too. He, I mean, one of our uh, was it over? I think we did an over under at the combine, Fran, of inside linebackers to go in the first round. Yep. And he's he's a fringe guy. He's yes. one of the guys who's right on the bubble there. So I I think he would be one of the first picks off the board it, in the, the second the, round. I think the linebacker group in general is like a a, a few guys at the top that are fringe first rounders. Yeah. But you would almost say, yeah, that that guy will definitely be there before or, or be gone before the end of the you know the halfway point around two. I think I think Kendricks Perryman. Stephon Anthony and maybe Bernardrick McKinney. Those four guys are probably all going somewhere from 28 to 50. Sure. Something yes. like that. Yep, for sure. So I would agree. Uh, all right. Now I'm focusing uh, on each of our each of our pet projects. I'm going to start with Chris. Mm. Ooh, pet project. Eli Harold. Over under, I'm going to say 50th overall. Mm. So Bo goes to me. Is there a player who you, you know, have a man crush on because I know I've got plenty and I know Fran's got plenty. I didn't know who, I didn't know who. So you, I I want Eli I Harold, the edge rusher like from from Virginia. Your favorite interview from the combine. Yes, uh, athletically gifted. Yep, it's a strong it's a strong edge rusher class. It is Eli Harold, right? Yes, it is not Harold. It's not Eli. Harold Eli. Okay. Correct. I like how you switched it up though, and you asked the question without saying the answer. Yes. That was that was interesting. I think everybody right. knows where I'm going. Exactly. Yeah. I will take a slight. Over, I think. I think there's just a glut I of think you're, very yeah. good edge rushers. Could there be a chance that there's a run that might cause a team to panic? Possibly, but I st- I will say in my gut he's probably – I think I would take the over on that. I, I would lead in the over as well. I think I there's too many guys, and I don't know that he – and I want to do more work on Harold, but I don't know that he stood out on tape enough to be warranted in that discussion in the top – you know, in that top part of the draft. So – We'll see. I mean, he tested very, very well at the combine. So, okay. All right, Franz, uh, kickball protege. Oh, nice. Ibrahim Campbell, the Northwestern safety, over under the sixth safety selected. Ooh. See, this is a tough one because safety is such like a. It, it's it's such it, a niche very thing. dependent on what very exactly you're so. looking for. Yeah. Yep, no question. So someone could see him as their number two safety. Someone yep. could see him as you know, number 15. eleven. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, at number six, I'm I'm gonna go with my guy. I'm gonna give him credit. I'm gonna take the under. <laughs> I'm gonna take the under. One I, of the best tackling defensive backs in the draft. I think. Yeah, I think he's gonna go be like the fifth safety selected. I might. You know what? Just because we haven't done one yet, I'm gonna push. 
I'm going six. Oh, you're though. gonna push. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it. I get I get more of a payout for that, obviously. Obviously. If this were to be a real thing. Right. I'll go under. Under as well. Oh, there you okay. go. Yes. All right. Some uh, love for you Because I think he's a player who maybe wasn't gonna stand out in terms of testing, but when you look at the tape, there's gonna be a guy who if you you know, do your diligence and say we're gonna go by what he put on tape in the fall, that should allow him to be selected before. And boy did Fran prep him for the interviews. Oh, I had, mm-hmm. he was ready. If he knew the, the proper kickball strategy. I mean, right. if that came up in the interviews, he was prepared. <laughs> All right, last one. That's a discussion for another One of time. my favorites. Kansas State offensive lineman B.J. Finney Ooh. from the Shrine game. Over under the 10th pick of the sixth round. The 10th pick of the sixth round. Oof. Uh, I'm going to take the over. Sorry. Mm. I'm going to take the over. All right. Haters going to hate. More <laughs> motivation. I'm going to throw the under. I'm oh, going I'll the, give him love. The, You're going to go push? I'll give him a little love. I'm going with the under. <laughs> if you <laughs> took the, took he's, the push, <laughs> he's, finning, a, he's <laughs> making it a sixth round. It's BJ's Finney to be a, a fifth round pick. We should do an over-under on how many times you have said BJ Finney so far this spring. Between the Shrine game practices, after the Shrine game. Ooh, on, on, like, while recorded? Or while just recording. No, while during recording. The day. During the podcast. During the day. Sometimes I, mean, I just countless. walk around. Yeah, sometimes Finney. I just walk around. <laughs> BJ Finney. BJ Finney. Xavier Williams. BJ Finney. That's just, that's after a couple of cups of coffee in the morning. <laughs> I would say that that over under, just in terms of how many mentions you've had uh, on the podcast, I'm going to set that at 47 and a half. Way over. <laughs> <laughs> That's one episode. Yeah. Well, there you go. BJ Finney, BJ Finney. Well, speaking of, you have another. Uh, and and what, a, what an amazing tie in this is because what are the odds? It's, it's th- these kinds of coincidences happen all the time on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA, and it's, it's kismet. I, it just happens. But. Who who knew we happened to catch up with BJ Finney at the Shrine game, and it's going to be played right now. BJ Finney, BJ Finney, BJ Finney. The unofficial visit. Well, we're here with BJ Finney, one of the more impressive linemen of the week here at the East West Shrine game out of Kansas State. What what has the week been like for you? Um, yeah, I've been told it's been it's been a good week. Uh, teammates, you know, it's, they've we've had a lot of fun. We've been a lot of hard work. Coach Mudd's a great coach. Uh, expects a lot from us, and you know, has some unique styles. And trying to adapt those has been interesting and fun. So it's been a good week. So we've got some experience with Howard Mudd. He coached for the Eagles for a couple of years. You got any good stories for us? Um, well, we adopted the uh, excuse number system in film. So he's like, "Hey, what happened here?" And instead of telling him why, we just tell him a number. Because he knows why, and so um, those are probably the extent of the laughing and what's going on. Um, but it, it's been a great experience. I like Coach Mud. So for fans who, who aren't familiar with you necessarily, give us the scouting report. What do you bring to the table, and what are some things you need to work on? Uh, well, things I need to work on is I, I tend to get a little bit high. Um, I tend to quit moving my feet when I get locked up on somebody, so I get to keep moving my feet. Uh, i got to quit being a muscle man. i got to be more athletic and just kind of move them where they go. Uh, this is all what Coach Mud's telling me. So. Um, uh, and then when I get out of guard, uh, get my head out of, of pass blocks and his style of, of, of blocking. So you attack him and then you, I got to get my head out faster. Uh, so that's what he's been telling me. What I, um, he also tells me that, that I'm strong, uh, that I'm quick. I have, I have good athleticism. Um, and I attack, um, I, you know, I, I play angry. I'm, I'm feisty. That's what he tells me. So, um, 
Well, Coach Mutt saying those things, that's all I'm going to say. How, how much of a mindset thing is that to, to play angry, you know, especially going out to the second level, the, the search and destroy stuff? How much of that is, is really mental? Um, a lot of it is. You know, you got you got to keep your body in check. you got to feel great uh, in order to have that mindset. Uh, you know, and then you come out and you have a chip on your shoulder, you play that way. Um, that's just something that I've always wanted to do. I want to be the best. I want to play the best. And in order to do that, you have to execute and you have to play to be the best. And how about the athleticism part of it? For, for Eagles fans, they'll want to know, you know, can you get to that second level? Do you have the, the requisite athleticism to, to be in that kind of offense, you think? Well, I hold my own. Uh, I, got to, I got to do a good job of getting my technique over there, and that gives me a shot. That gives me the opportunity, and that's all I've ever asked for is just give me an opportunity. So. And in terms of versatility, center, guard, you feel comfortable at both? Absolutely. Um, you know, I started my first game at Kansas State uh, at right guard. Got moved to center at halftime. I started all fifty or you know all fifty-one games, the remainder of those, and played right tackle. Uh, my second half of my last game at Kansas State. So being able to move around and be versatile is a huge thing, and, and I'm capable of doing that. Do you have any offensive linemen in the league who you look at as, as similar players or who you hope to uh, to be like? Um, honestly. Coach Mudd keeps referring to me as Ryan Lilja, so okay. uh, that's a great compliment. I think he had 10 plus years in the NFL, so why not try and mold my game after him? All right, last question, real quick. Who's the best player you played this season? Uh, this season, uh, Chucky Hunter from TCU, as far as being a senior, and his counterpart at nose guard, Davion Pearson at TCU. Those guys come off the ball, they play hard, um, and they they just don't stop. They have great motors. All right, well, BJ, best of luck throughout the draft process. Maybe we'll see you in Philadelphia one day. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the Draft Mailbag. Our, our final segment of the show, the Draft Mailbag. And what's great is free agency is finally upon us. The draft is inching closer and closer. We're almost at the 50-day mark. Is You put out the tweet saying, send us your questions. You're getting more and more replies. So some very interesting questions. That's also just because the popularity of the show is, is skyrocketing. Oh, of course. Most popular podcast on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. <laughs> it's soared. First question here comes from Her Royal Dopeness on Twitter. Wants to know, big picture, what is going on? Looking at all the moves that have taken place. I don't it's, know. <laughs> it's, a, it's simply a reaction to all the reports. I mean, for the free agency rumor mill was insane over the weekend. So Sure was. It's just big picture to me. It's really Chip Kelly putting his stamp on this football team. And we're learning more and more about what he prioritizes, uh, what he values in a football team. You know, he's not going to have, you know, a certain position where he's going to spend huge amounts of money just for the sake of it. You know, he thinks he can get more efficiency. He's, he said in the past he wishes he could pay everyone a lot of money, but you can't. You have a salary cap. So I think that's pretty much the biggest thing is we're learning – as this is going to be the third season under with the Eagles under Chip Kelly, we're learning more and more about, and I think he's learning also more and more about what it takes to build a team, and he's getting to do so now that it's you know it's his stamp on everything, it's he's putting this team this franchise fully in his vision. Okay, so we launched on Monday our Meet the Prospect series, and we kick things off as we ask fans who they want to see. Mariota was the over, overwhelming choice. Sure. So we profiled him, and now. At A Rodriguez142 on Twitter wants to know simply, are we drafting him? That's a big question everyone wants to know. Is is Chip Kelly trying to set the team up in a way that he can make a maneuver to get up there? And I don't know. We don't know at this point. 
what he's trying to do in terms of the quarterback situation. Right. You know, it could be a situation where maybe he would love to have him. He speaks very fondly of him, you know, was gushing over him back in December, right before Mario won the Heisman, lavished him with praise on that ESPN set, you know, before the national championship game. But maybe the cost is going to be too high at the end of the day. And maybe he's looking at some of the other quarterbacks in the draft and thinking, you know, I can build the rest of the team and still work with this quarterback. And not to mention, obviously, having Nick Foles on the roster, bringing Mark Sanchez back. I mean, there's guys here already that have shown the ability to win games. I mean, they've won 20 games over the last two years. Uh, I think that, look, I mean, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun few weeks to, as we that's continue to talk is. about yes. it. That's what the speculation is going to be. But we talked about, we said it earlier, yeah. in the, earlier in the show, there are lots of other QB needy teams that would also like Marcus Mariota. So uh, it's not like it's just the Eagles' decision. There's lots of other factors here at play. Okay. I also don't know the answer to that question. Yes. So I'm apparently I'm not the one to ask. <laughs> Our, our last item, it's not a question, actually. It comes from at MFG Dog on Twitter. And I honestly had to text you guys when I first saw the picture. It's a picture of Murphy Beds. A well, reference to Murphy Beds for sale. Murphy Beds for sale. Yes. So you guys can. It's a great tweet. And it's an absolutely and the best all-timer. Part, and the best part of the tweet is the hashtag Eagles Beakley, of yes. course. It's debatable. Beakley Weekly. Uh, when I saw it, I was it just brought a smile to my face. It's the Grand Plaza Hotel. I saw it and I instantly was like, I'm definitely missing something on this one. So this is the part. It just means you weren't listening to the to the first few episodes of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. From the hotel where I sat on the Murphy bed and we did the uh, we did the podcast from our room. I'd, like, I'd like for us to draft or sign a player with the last name Murphy. Will Murphy. Uh, we have one on the we roster. On the roster. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually thinking of trying to find a wide receiver to compare to, to Will Murphy. <laughs> didn't even occur. Did to you? Me. Did you try or no? I no, didn't. no. I got one with Kenny instead. Yeah, that's a good oh, one. Will so. Murphy bed. That makes me. That makes me want him to stay even longer on the there roster. You go. There you Ma- go. Will like Murphy it. will outlast us all. Well, there's no question that that was an all-time tweet, though. So well done there. How about Karan Pratt? Will Murphy? Will Murphy will outlast us all. <laughs> so on that note. I think that's going to do it for this edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. For Bo Wolf and Fran Duffy, I'm Chris McPherson. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back once again next week as we look at what the Eagles have accomplished to that point in free agency and look ahead to the 2015 NFL Draft.